Now, though, uh, it was a great weekend as far as like weather-wise. Usually we don't talk a lot about the weather here, but this last weekend was exceptionally great. And in my house, maybe this does not describe you and your family. In my house, at least, when we wake up on like a Friday, Saturday, that weekend, and it is just gorgeous weather, usually my wife will comment on it and say, Brian, isn't it such a beautiful day? And I'm like, yes, babe, it's a gorgeous day. She's like, you know what that means? I said, I do. I do. She says, it's such a great day to do yard work. It's such a great day because it's so nice outside. Then this is perfect weather for mulching. I'm like, you know, we have very different opinions on what this weather is good for. And again, maybe you're very different, but I don't think I've ever in my house ever heard our family say, oh, it is so nice outside. We're going to do nothing today. That usually doesn't happen. Right, those are safe for like the rainy days, the cold days, or you just wanna sit around and binge on Netflix. But in my house, when it's nice outside, that's our cue to start doing things. And so we did, 40 bags of mulch later after this weekend, the yard is mulched and the, the grass got mowed and everything got edged inside that spring cleaning mentality. And it looks great, but I'll tell you in the moment, bag by bag, and I'm like, why do we mess with this? Let's just like concrete everything. <laughs> that seems like a better option. Gravel would look awesome in our back. My kids would love that, playing in the gravel. They would love that, right? So it's, it's, it's in the moment, it's kind of hard to see, oh no, this is gonna be great, right? In the moment of the dirty work and the hard work and the sweat and the back pains, like in the middle of it, it's hard to say, oh, this is gonna be awesome. It's totally gonna be worth it. After it's all done, yesterday evening, sitting on the back patio with my wife saying like, no, like it does look good. And I, I think, I, I don't remember saying, she said I said this, I don't remember saying this, but she said I said, oh, it was worth it. I don't remember saying it, she claims I did, but it looks good. Right, and oftentimes we deal with that. There's this tension, this disconnect between in the moment and then the result. In the moment, we don't really want to, we don't really feel like it, it's hard work, and we're like, what's the point? Is it really worth it? But then at the end, and we see the result, we're like, oh no, it was worth it. I'm glad I did that. I'm glad I went through that. I'm glad I pushed through that. I'm glad I did the hard work because once you see the result, ah, it's beautiful, it's wonderful, and I'm glad I did that. Galatians tells us uh, a little bit of what that looks like in regards to a spiritual context. Galatians chapter six, starting in verse nine, we're told this. So let's not get tired, everybody say tired. Perfect for a 9.30 church morning. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, man, no, that's all-encompassing, anytime, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. If you read before that, if you get a little bit more of context there in chapter six, you're seeing the thought of Paul really bringing up that principle. We know this principle. It is a biblical principle. You reap what you finish it, so you reap what you sow. Right, so the work that I'm gonna put in is gonna have an end result. The effort that I'm gonna put in, the, the plant that I'm gonna sow, the seed that I'm gonna sow, there is going to be a result later. But in the middle of it, in the moment, oh, it's hard to kind of think 
of what the result is gonna be. But that's what Paul's encouraging the early church. We can take that same encouragement. No, anytime we have the opportunity to do good, anytime we have the opportunity to love, anytime we have the opportunity to serve, anytime we have the opportunity to be the hands and feet of Jesus, let's make the most of that opportunity because that's sowing and we're gonna see a blessing later. Maybe it's not necessarily a specific blessing for me, but we are gonna be a blessing to somebody else. There's gonna be a result where we'll sit back at some point and say, I'm glad we did that. I'm glad we make the, made the most of this opportunity. I'm glad I loved in that way. I'm glad I served in that way. Even though it was difficult, oh, the result shows me it was worth it. We're gonna talk a lot about that principle today. We're in this series called All In, and what that looks like specifically for us as a church moving forward over the next several weeks is, yes, be all in in your relationship with Jesus. Say that we are here to fully follow Jesus, and we are not gonna do that perfectly. We stumble in the right direction, but we should attempt to fully follow him. And every day we wake up, what does it look like to fully follow you, Jesus? What does it look like to make the most of every opportunity to do good and to love and to serve? So for our church, we're taking that principle of, well, you reap what you sow. What does that look like for us to sow the right things today? What does that look like for you as part of this church? What does it look like to make the most of those opportunities in regards to doing good and to serving, serving here at the church, making a difference in people's lives here? What does that look like in your family? What does that look like in our community? What does it look like for us to be all in? Say, I'm just not looking at my faith as part of my life, it is all my life. And how can I continue to take the most of these opportunities to do good? Let's pray and we'll see the story um, out of Luke chapter 19 today. God, thank you so much for how you, you help us know how to take next steps. You don't just leave it to us to, to just figure out on our own, to guess. God, your word is so clear that this is the life you've called us to live. Here's how you want us to love. Here's where we're called to serve. Here's what it looks like to be your hands and your feet in every opportunity and with every relationship that we have. God, may we make the most of what you've given us, our time, our energy, our influence, and most certainly the opportunities. May we make the most of what you've given us. May we see beyond just the moment and look forward to the result. In Jesus' name, amen. If you got your Bibles, like I said, we'll be in Luke 19. Be there, would love to have you follow along. Uh, there's a lot of context in this part, and uh, when you have it physically in your hand, it's kind of easy for you to not have to like scroll through, but like, oh, here's what's happening here, and you can kind of look ahead. That's actually gonna be helpful today. If you don't have a Bible, uh, we've got a stack of them outside both doors. Walk out the doors, look to your left and your right, and you'll see a stack of Bibles. That's our gift to you. Take one, put your name in it, uh, use it during the week, bring it with you on Sunday. Uh, but let me read through what's happening, and then I'll give you a little bit more context. Luke chapter 19, starting in verse 28. After telling this story, Jesus went on towards Jerusalem, walking ahead of his disciples. As he came to the towns of Bethphage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives, he sent two disciples ahead. Go. Oh, that's an important word. Take, it's okay to write in your Bible. Did you know that? So circle that word go if you're taking notes. Go into that village over there, he told them. And as you enter it, you will see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks, why are you untying that colt? Just say, quote, the Lord needs it. 
first of all, kind of funny. Like, ah, don't worry about it. Just tell them the Lord needs it. They'll know what that means. I'm like, okay, maybe that's going to happen. Maybe it's not. Let me give you a little context of what's happening here. We would call this story, this moment, Palm Sunday. Right? We actually celebrated this a few weeks ago. Palm Sunday is the beginning of what we would also call Passion Week. It's the week leading up to Jesus' crucifixion. One week later, the following Sunday, that would be what we would now celebrate as Easter, that Jesus is alive. He came back from the dead. So as Jesus is going into Jerusalem with his disciples, he is literally days away from his crucifixion, which is why he came. Jesus came to free us from all of our sin, to conquer both sin and death, and Jesus will do that as he sacrifices himself on the cross, comes back to life three days later. So that's where we're at in the life of Jesus and the ministry of Jesus. And as he's coming in to Jerusalem, this moment is significant. This moment that he's preparing for to, to move into Jerusalem as he comes near his final days on earth before he's crucified. It's a, it's a big moment. It's a significant moment. And he gives some very specific instructions. What was that big word I told you to circle? Remember, highlight it. What was the word? Go. He looks at his, his two of his disciples, we're told, and he says, go. I have a job for you. I am sending you. That's what we're told earlier. When he got there, he sent two of these disciples ahead, and he tells them, go. And we would think, maybe, maybe we would even want, in a significant moment in the life of Jesus, we, if I'm one of these disciples, we would want a significant job. And if he looked at you or if he looked at me and he says, I've got a job for you, this is big for me this week, a lot of things are going to happen, a lot of them you don't understand yet, but I need you to go, and we're like, oh yeah, give me the big job, give me the big job, get a donkey. Be like, can you say that one more time? Like, you needed me to like do something really important, right? You needed me to do something significant, you needed me to do something meaningful, and Jesus is like, yes, I need you to go get a donkey, Okay, and then he gives all these specifics. There's so many specifics uh, in regards to the instructions. He says, you're gonna go to that village over there. You need to find a colt that's never been ridden. You need to untie it, say this to the owners. Like, there's a whole instruction package that goes with it. But bottom line, he sends these two disciples. He sends them, tells them to go get a donkey. It doesn't seem very meaningful, if I'm one of these disciples, I'm questioning, at least in my mind, like, why does this matter? Why is this such a big deal? Like, why, why us? Why, Jesus, why don't you just go get it? If the Lord needs it, just go and get it. Get, like, why do we have to be the ones who go and get this donkey? And what this is going to cause us to do as we read this story, I need this to, to shift our thinking, Right? If we're thinking those disciples went and got a donkey, we're thinking of it incorrectly, we need to shift our thinking from they got a donkey to they met a need. And so often we get hung up on the what? Well, what's the big deal about getting a donkey? What is that going to accomplish? What is that going to do? What's the big deal? But if we can shift our thinking off of the what and focus on the why, why? Because the Lord needs it. Focus on the word need. Jesus is sending these two disciples. He's sending them, telling them to go. Forget all the detailed instructions for a second. He's saying go because the Lord has a need. I need this from you. I need you to do this. 
And as we talk about being all in and, and serving, again, in our church context, in your family context, in your work environments, in our community, we're, we're called to serve. We saw that last week. It's not just what we do, it's why. Why do we serve? To meet a need. At the very basic level of serving, it's not about the job, it's not about the task, it's not about the what, it's about the why. Why do we serve? To meet needs to meet needs. There is a need. They, these two disciples are being sent to go and meet that specific need. Regardless whether that makes sense, regardless whether that's what they wanted to do, regardless of fill in the blank of all the details and instructions, it was a need. Serving meets needs. Now, as a Christian, as believers, we don't just serve to help. We don't just serve to meet needs. We serve with an additional reason to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Scripture tells us that we are Christ's ambassadors or representatives, meaning when you go and serve, when you go and love, when you go and do something like this, when, when you meet a need for somebody else, you're not just doing it to help them, you're doing it because you're getting the opportunity to show them Jesus. You're truly a representative of Christ. You are his hands and feet. If Jesus was standing physically next to you, that's what he would do. So you're like, well, he's not physically next to me. He's given me this job, this opportunity, like we read in Galatians. So I'm going to do what Jesus would do in this moment. I'm going to serve like he would serve in this moment. I'm going to love like he would love in this moment. And I'm going to be that kind of representative, that kind of an ambassador, to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Now, for these disciples, they went and got this donkey. They went and served in this way because there was an ask. Because Jesus said, I need you to do this. I need you to go and get this cult, right? There was a specific ask to these people, to these two disciples. They were aware of the need. The problem I think we run into as Christians today in regards to serving is oftentimes like we have the heart for it. We just don't know where to start. You're like, yeah, I want to serve. I want to be the hands and feet of Jesus. I want to meet needs. I want to help. I want to, I want to live my faith out. But where do we begin? Where do we start? If serving is meeting needs, then we need to make sure we are aware of the needs around us. So let me give you two thoughts on this one. First of all, let that be part of your daily prayer life. When you wake up in the morning, God, help me to see needs today. God, make me aware of the needs around me today. We can get blinders on and we can just go through life paying only solely attention on ourselves and we miss all the other people and, again, what Galatians said, those opportunities around us. Would you ask God through his Holy Spirit to open up the eyes of your heart? Maybe, God, help me to slow down so I'm, I'm attentive to the people around me, to the needs around me. Help me to see the needs around me. Start there. It's a great way to start your prayer life. The second one, I'm going to give you some very tangible needs that we have currently in our church and in our community. Uh, these are not to like guilt you into serving. Uh, if you don't know the needs, then you don't know where to serve. So I'm going to tell you the needs and I'll let God and you have the rest of the conversation. So um, as you know, like this is great. I'm super happy that we are phase one, phase one-ish. First of all, can we just like the parking lot better? We're getting there. 
small things as we're moving in, even like up here, like a lot of this stuff is still rental, so we're still like working through what phase one is, but the big piece of our next part of construction is getting the kids and student ministries area. It's on, man, it's looking great back there. They're on track. End of June is what we're looking at as far as all of the, the next gen, our birth all the way through 12th grade environments to be ready. But I tell you that because it's not just space that is getting added, like we have to have the volunteers to serve in each of those spaces. So yeah, a lot more rooms and a lot more space. That means a lot more people need to be willing to serve and help in those spaces. So I'll tell you what this, these are the numbers we need by August so that we can open up the phase two, regardless whether construction's done, if we don't have the volunteers to serve in those specific age groups, we can't open those uh, areas up. So kids ministry, 51 spaces are needing to be filled to open up that back space. A lot of new kids space back there. Student ministry, we need 10 more volunteers serving to get ready for our new middle school space and high school space. And for some of you, when we say kids in student ministry, it freaks you out. You're like, just talk about the next one, move on to something else. Uh, let me offer this for you. I recognize that when we talk about next steps, there's a next step that looks like this. When I talk about kids in student ministry, it feels like this kind of a step, doesn't it? Like, oh, wait, what exactly do I, what, what, what do you want me to do? And how's that gonna work? And what age group? And like, I get it, it's a whole thing. So here's my, here's my way of helping you. Let me put these up. I'm gonna put three dates up here. Our, uh, our, our student uh, pastor Hunter and our kids director Rachel, they are gonna be having these three interest meetings to say, you know what? If you are at least interested, if God's maybe tugging on your heart, like, hey, there's a need, we need 51 new kids volunteers and we need 10 new student ministry volunteers. I'd like to, but I need to know more. Like, you gotta tell me exactly what I'm gonna be doing before I jump all in. That's for you, right? So that's to take a smaller step. You know, you're not committing to like doing this thing yet. You're just gonna commit to like, let me hear a little bit more. So pick one of those dates. Out in the lobby, there's a big table that's gonna say all in. You just need to go and fill out one of those and write down what date you're gonna to go to. So there's three, May 21st, June 4th, June 18th. There's no way you're on vacation for all three of those. If you are, let me go with you. If you're taking three vacations out of the summer, good for you. Um, but go to one of those. If you can't make one of those, let the team know. They will do coffee with you. They'll take you to lunch. They would love to have a conversation. But I get it. Sometimes serving feels like a huge step. What if you took a smaller step? to impact the lives of the kids and students around you. So there's some areas there that we have a need in. Uh, within our guest services ministry, you saw a nice new, almost fully striped parking lot, which means a lot more parking lot volunteers. We need eight more parking lot volunteers, and we need 18 more volunteers in our guest services ministry. That's holding the doors, that's serving coffee, that's helping you find a seat when it's, when it's dark. It's, it's all the things that go along with that. Our amazing production team in the back that keeps the lights on for us. You are wonderful, we love you. Uh, we need 12 more that would be willing to, to learn how to push faders and push buttons at the right time. We'll train you how to do that. You're like, I don't know how to do it. Me neither. Uh, you learn how to do it. You get trained on how to do something. Those are just a few errors. There's a lot of other ones, but those are a few that I'd love to highlight. So if serving is about meeting needs, you have to be aware of the needs so that you can begin to meet the needs. Would you be willing to say, you know what, I'm gonna meet a need? And what the job is honestly doesn't really matter. These disciples went and got a donkey. But would you be willing to say, no, I'm gonna be the hands and feet of Jesus. And what that looks like doesn't matter, but it's why I serve, that's what matters. To serve others to be the hands and feet of Jesus. 
What could be more significant? So if that's you, if you're interested, use that QR code. But again, out, uh, out in the lobby, there's gonna be a big table. There's gonna be a bunch of cards. It looks just like this. It says all in on it. Pick up a card, circle the area you're at least interested in. Pray about it if you need to. Drop it back off to anybody that serves here and we'll follow up with you. We'll invite you to the interest meeting. We'll invite you to shadow. Here's what it looks like on guest services. Uh, we'll give you uh, an orange vest and you know, put your life on the line out in the parking lot and see how it goes. Like, we'll help you with those but you have to take the next step. Jesus sent his disciples to go. He calls us to do the same thing. He's sending you to go. And again, that's not just in our church context. If you were to use that, that QR code or if you sign up on here, you can write community. We have a lot of great community partners that have a lot of needs. Volunteers and donations at the place of Dawson and the place of Forsyth County. We serve and work with, with that organization. Do an they do an incredible job in our community. Meals by Grace, once a month food packing and delivering opportunity. Where you and your family, you can do this with your kids. You literally serve on a Saturday by packing meals and then driving it to somebody's house that needs it. Find a way to serve. FCA does a great job of doing character coaches within the school system. If you love sports and you want to impact the next generation, then be an FCA co a character coach. Talk with me. Write FCA on here, and I'll talk with you. I'll connect you with the director. We'd love to see what God might do with you in those areas. The, schools is always, the school system is always begging for mentors to give up about 30 minutes a week to show up to a school and spend some one-on-one -on -one time with a kid that needs a good adult influence. If that's you, write school mentor. I'll connect you with the school social workers and counselors that run the mentoring programs. I mean, we could go on and on and on. I'm telling you, if you start praying, God, open my eyes to the needs around me, he's going to. Whether that's in this church or whether that's in this community or maybe it's in your family, would you be willing to go when he sends you? Serving is meeting needs, but are you aware of the needs? The next part of this story, so Jesus gives these specific instructions to go, here's the donkey, here's where you're gonna find it, here's how you go about it. We're told this in verse 32, so they went. Man, I hope that's our story today. When Jesus sent his disciples and he said go, the very next verse is they went. Man, if I could just lean in, like that should be my story and that should be your story today. He's calling me to serve, he's telling me to serve. He's telling me to go, am I gonna think about it or am I going to actually go? Can we walk out today saying no? So I went. So they went and found the colt just as Jesus had said. And sure enough, as they were untying it, the owners asked them, which any good owner would probably ask this question, why are you untying that colt? And the disciples simply replied, the Lord needs it. So they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their garments over it for him to ride on. Here's what I wanna point out on this part of the story. Uh, we love the idea, this picture of serving family, church, community, people. We love this idea of serving when we're in what we're called a sweet spot. Right? Have you ever like felt that or somebody's maybe told you, man, you're like in your sweet spot. You were made for this. You were created for this. Like you're getting your gifts and your abilities and your talents and your passions and you put all those together and you're like, man, this is like, this is my dream spot. Like I was meant for this. We love that picture. But what's a problem is when we only pursue that picture, right? What we see here is not a picture of two disciples in their sweet spot. I mean, these two disciples, I don't believe they were picked because they were the best donkey go-getters. I don't think that's true. I don't think Jesus looked amongst his disciples and says, 
Definitely not you, um, maybe, but you're working on it. You're not there. Oh, you two right there. You are the best guys we have to go and get this donkey. You've been training for this. You are wired for this. You have the right personality and temperament for this. You have the right skill set for this. So yes, it's you. It's time. Instead, it was anybody can do this job. Anybody can do this. Yes, it is a wonderful thing when you're able to serve and love others where you are in your sweet spot. That's a great thing. I hope that happens for you at some point. But don't use that as an excuse to not go get donkeys. Don't use that as an excuse to say, oh, no, 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 like uh, my skill set is this, not that. See, serving does not always require a specific or special skill. Sometimes, yes, but all the time, no. This is a beautiful picture of two disciples serving and saying yes to where Jesus was sending them, and it did not require something very unique other than their willingness and their time. And so as you consider what God is leading you to and your next step in regards to serving and, and what that looks like where he's sending you, don't get stuck in the is this my talent? Is this my skill set? Is this my gift? Is this how I'm wired? Regardless, if he's calling you to serve in that area, in that season, then your answer is yes. I can go get a donkey. I don't have to have a skill for that. I need to have a willing heart, and I need to be willing to give the time. It does not always have to be a specific or unique or special skill to serve. So we're going to actually do one of these right now. You all can do this. Uh, you've probably been wondering what this, for, what this is for. You have these little thank you cards right there on your seat. Grab those. Grab those. Like, literally, we're going to do it right now. I'm going to wait awkwardly until you all pick one up. There you go. So grab these. There should be a pen as well. Uh, we've done this uh, historically, traditionally, for the last several years. Uh, we usually do this leading up to spring break, um, but Chick-fil-A's been closed. Um, over spring. I'm not bitter. I'm not bitter. They're back open. We're good. Uh, but we've had to wait for Chick-fil-A to open back up. What we do each year is we uh, blitz our community school system and we feed every single school employee breakfast uh, within about a two to three week period. So we're going to do that here in the next couple weeks as we go into May. Every single Dawson County school, including the Board of Education, is going to get a Chick-fil-A biscuit. Uh, that's teachers, that's parapros, that's administration, that's custodians, that's staff that's part-time, if they are on that school campus, they get loved on and that's a way for us to serve. But we don't just want to feed them physically, hey, here's, here's a biscuit. We want them to also understand that they're valued. And sometimes that's even more important. And I almost said that's more important than Chick-fil-A and I'm second guessing that statement now. <laughs> it's almost equal um, as far as the value. So that's what we're going to ask. Would you write a thank you note to a teacher, a school worker, an administrator, like do that right now. You can ignore the next things that I'm, I'm gonna keep preaching. You can ignore me for the next few minutes, that's fine. Uh, but would you write a thank you note to them? Thank you so much for how you love and serve others. Thank you so much for giving up so much for our kids. Thank you so much for dedicating your life to serving the families of our community, like something like that. And then there's gonna be a basket outside at the table, drop it in there. Now, I'm gonna ask you to do this again next week and again the week after that, and I'm gonna even go a little bit further and ask you to take a stack of these home. We need about 2,000 thank you cards. Tell me the number, how many do we need? About 2,000, to make sure that every single person gets at least one thank you card from our church and not just a chicken biscuit. So this is a good start. 
Today we'll get several hundred, but we need to keep doing that. We have some that we're delivering even this week. So write you a thank you card, drop it in the basket, grab a stack, work on those at home. If you wanna do this with your family, our kids and student ministries are doing these today. If you wanna take a stack to your work environment, hey, our church is saying thank you. Man, have people at work do it with you. The point is, it doesn't take a lot of skill. You don't even have to have good handwriting for this. Just make sure thank you is legible. That's why we even put it on the front. See, look, we did the hard work for you. Sometimes serving takes a skill, sometimes it doesn't. Regardless, it's why we serve, to be the hands and feet, and we just give up our time as we have the right heart. You write, I'm gonna keep talking through it. Be, value your time here. Here's the last part of the story. As Jesus rode along, crowds spread out their garments on the road ahead of him. When he reached the place where the road started down to the Mount of Olives, all of his followers began uh, to, to shout and sing as they were walking along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. Blessings on the King who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in highest heaven. In other words, as Jesus got on this donkey that was provided by his disciples, two of his disciples, he begins to ride through Jerusalem. And as he rides through Jerusalem, people begin shouting praises to God. People begin singing praises to God. They call Jesus King. They call him Lord. They say glory in highest heaven. Like these are incredible moments of worship as Jesus rides through Jerusalem. You know what you don't hear people say? Oh, those two disciples that got that donkey, they were awesome! Man, great job, you two right there. That was all you. You don't see that. I mean, and that would be ridiculous, wouldn't it? No, and, and I have to just wonder, like, is there a part, we have no idea, but again, I'm trying to put myself in those disciples' shoes. Would there be a part of those disciples that hear the praises that people are giving God and Jesus and what is their response? Is it, man, like, he wouldn't have had that donkey if it wasn't for us. Or was it, look what we were part of. Look what we were part of. See, when we serve, we get invited in to be part of God's bigger plan. Right, this plan for Jesus to come into Jerusalem was actually prophesied about years and years and years ago. Zechariah chapter nine, verse nine, like look at this. We're told what the prophecy would actually be. Rejoice, O people of Zion, shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look at the last part. Yet he is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. So like this was part of God's plan a long time ago. And these two disciples, because they went like Jesus called them to and told them to, to serve, they get to be part of God's bigger plan. So for me and for you, the same is true. Serving allows us to participate in God's plan. We get to be part of how he loves people. We get to be part of how he works in people's lives. We get to be part when we go and we, we, we go where he sends us to serve. We get to be part of building his kingdom. See, for these disciples, it wasn't just about getting a donkey. It's about participating in God's plan. And then like we said earlier, in the middle of that work, it can be difficult, but can you see the result? The result of what happened here was people praised God, period. The result is people honored Jesus. The result is people recognized Jesus and who he claimed to be as Messiah. The result was people physically moved closer to Jesus in that moment. When we serve, it's not about making our name great. When we serve, it's about 
helping people move towards Jesus. When we serve, it's not about making our names great. Psalm 115, verse one says, not to us, Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory because of your love and your faithfulness. That's the heartbeat of a servant. No, it's not about us. It's not about my name at all, but it's to your name be the glory. John 3.30 says something very similar. The John, John the Baptist is talking. He said, no, I must decrease so he can increase. In order for Jesus' name to be more known, I need to become less and less. I need to become more in the background so I can highlight Jesus. Matthew chapter 5, Jesus' words, he talks about we are a light. We are a city on a hill. No one covers that light, right? You know that part? And at the very end, he says, let your good deeds shine for all to see so that Brian becomes more well-known. <laughs> Not at all. So that people may see your good deeds and they will give praise and honor and glory to your Father in heaven. We serve so that other people get a, a glimpse of Jesus. Another way to say it is we serve to make much of the name of Jesus. It's not about my name. It is not about your name. It is not about the name that eventually will be on the side of this building one day. It is always about making much of the name of Jesus. That's why we serve. That's why these disciples went and got a couple, a couple of donkeys. Because they wanted to make much of the name of Jesus. So what might God be nudging you to serve in? What donkey might he be asking you to go get? Not a glamorous job, maybe not a job that fits your skill set, maybe not a job that you thought, man, this is how my life is going to go. I bet those disciples, when they decided to follow Jesus, like donkey getting was not in the job description. Yet this was a need that they were able to meet. And they gave their heart and they gave their willingness, and they got to see a pretty cool end result of people following Jesus. Uh, I'd love to say the story ended there, but if you go over just a couple pages, we see the disciples didn't quite get what Jesus was getting at. Let me share this, and then we will, we're going to take communion together today. Luke chapter 22, just a couple verses later, and just a few days later, Jesus is celebrating the Passover with his disciples, and he's talking to them about sacrifice. He's talking to them about love. He's talking to them about his sacrifice on the cross and their job after he's gone. Like, this is a big moment for Jesus and his disciples. You know what the disciples started doing in that moment? We would think it's a very reverent, honoring moment. Instead, verse 24, they began to argue amongst themselves about who would be the greatest among them. That just doesn't seem to fit, does it? Jesus has been spending his time with the disciples trying to help them understand service and sacrifice. He's been modeling that. He's about to give the perfect example as he goes to the cross like soon. And here the disciples are still not getting it. They're arguing amongst themselves about who's going to be the best. Who's going to be the greatest disciple? So Jesus in all of his compassion, kindness, patience, and gentleness says this in verse 25. Jesus told them, in this world, the kings and great men lord it over their people, yet they are called, quote, friends of the people. That's a little sarcasm. Verse 26, but among you, it will be different. I want you to say that with me. But among you, it will be different. Among you, it will be different. Those who are the greatest among you should take the lowest rank, and the leader should be like a servant, who is more important, the one who sits at the table or the one who serves? The one who sits at the table, of course, but not here. 
Jesus is saying, not in my kingdom, not with me, and not with you. For I am among you as one who serves. It's not about being great. It's about serving like Jesus served. Said it last week, I'll say it again. We are most like Christ when we serve. Jesus gave us the ultimate example of service and sacrifice, and he's asking us to follow suit. Sometimes that looks like serving in your sweet spot. Sometimes that looks like going to get a donkey. Sometimes that looks like the cross. For Jesus, he gave us the ultimate and the perfect example of selflessness and of leading as a servant for others. May we follow suit because Jesus has called us to go and I pray our story would end with and we went. Regardless of where and what he calls us to serve, may we have that right heart to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to in the midst of the work, try to look ahead and see how that result could end with people coming closer to Jesus so that we serve to make much of the name of Jesus. If you've got your communion with you, um, go ahead and pull that out. If not, uh, raise your hand. Our guest services team that you could volunteer for uh, is gonna be walking around helping you. Just raise your hand, they'll get to you. The reason we take communion is to remember the sacrifice of Jesus. The reason we have commun take communion is so that we remember how our Savior also served us. In this moment, this is just gratitude. This is thankfulness for the sacrifice Jesus made and the intent for us to follow in his footsteps. Let me pray, and then you can take communion on your own. Jesus, thank you so much for how you served me, for how you served us, how you continue to walk alongside of us and serve us. In this moment, we thank you so much for giving your life for us. Thank you so much for being willing to not just send us, but thank you for being willing to go yourself, to lead the way. Jesus, we thank you for, for all that you have already done, for your grace, for your mercy, for your forgiveness. As we have gratitude and as we say thank you, may that also move us to become more and more like you. We thank you and our heart's desire is to become more like you, to follow in your footsteps. Keep reminding us of who you are and what you've done so we can live every day living like you. In Jesus' name, amen.